0: I mean, people were questioning: is, is the solution provider and distribution channel dead? Uh, is is that one? Is because cloud going to kill it? Uh, because because of this this idea that that they're all a bunch of of box movers, whereas in reality, what has happened over the last uh, last several years, and, and really accelerated, I would say, over the last five years, to use use your time frame, is these business models have merged. Welcome to the Software Channel Partner Podcast, where you'll hear leaders of partner programs talk about their greatest challenges and most successful solutions. And now your host, Louis Gedima, the President of Revenue and Associates.
1: Welcome to the Software Channel Partner Podcast, where we talk with leaders in software partner programs to learn about what's working today. And if you like what you hear in the podcast, please leave a review of it on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, or whatever service you're using to listen to it on, that will help others find the podcast too. My guest today is Mercer Rowe, Vice President, Global Channels and Alliances at Commvault. Mercer previously has held such positions as VP for Business Development at Cumulo, SVP and General Manager for the Cloud at Avaya, and VP of Strategic Partners for Watson and Cloud Platform at IBM, and frankly, more other positions, interesting ones, <laughs> than we have time to go through. Mercer and Commvault's Carmen Soris, who previously was a guest on the podcast, were named 2020 Channel Chiefs by CRN. Mercer, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much, pleasure to be here. So we're just in the first week of the coronavirus shutdown as we talk. Uh, before we get into other matters, we have to talk about that. Are you working from home? How do you see it affecting you and Commvault
0: so far? I am working from home incidentally and as as is uh, most of my team you know, fortunately, we are a, a distributed workforce uh, to begin with so from a disruption perspective, I think in in general we're we're very used to this uh, this mode of operation that's said, the company did uh, did issue a statement uh, around uh, the coronavirus and and obviously we we have put in place safeguards for our team, for our partners, customers, uh, to make sure that uh, we have a solid business-as-usual operating plan, uh, despite the the broad disruption. Well, if you are a distributed team
1: to begin with, it makes it a lot easier, but it can be challenging. One of the companies I work with, one of the people is working from home now, and he has three children under seven. (laughs) So that will uh, create some work uh, home life uh, challenges. But let's talk about how you got involved with the channel. You have an electrical engineering degree from North Carolina State. And just last evening, as an amazing coincidence, I was watching the 30 for 30 on ESPN about NC State's NCAA Men's Basketball Championship mm-hmm. in 1983, one of the great basketball Cinderella stories of all time. Yes. That must still be part of the culture and lore of the school.
0: Oh, absolutely. The uh, the Jimmy V days um, and and even... Even the uh, you know the foundation that he created for cancer research you know, is something that, uh, that that still holds a lot of weight in uh, in the, the minds of the alumni. So uh, clearly, clearly, uh, you know, we haven't had that uh, quite that level of team uh, <laughs> in, in the the years since. Although I, I would say you know, the the ACC being a pretty competitive um, competitive uh, set of schools, I think I think we've held our own pretty well.
1: Well, one of the things that really came across in that 30 for 30 was the real love between him and the players. I mean, it wasn't uh, the typical, you have players who really respect and like their coaches, but it, it really seemed like a genuine love and a very deep feeling between them.
0: Yeah, I think so. It was definitely a loss for uh, for the school, losing him as, as an individual. But I think, again, the, the, the lasting contribution that uh, that he made uh, still uh, is, is still very much present.
1: So after college, what did you do, and how did you move from that electrical engineering background into the business side in the channel?
0: It's a great question. I I often say that my first uh, my first job using my electrical engineering degree was uh, writing code, simulation code for uh, telephone switches for Bell Northern Research, and I say that's the reason that I'm no longer an engineer.
1: I, I really enjoy actually it. Uh, Evan Kirstel, who was on uh the previous episode of, of the podcast, had an electrical engineering background also and didn't stay with it too long.
0: I, I love technology and, and I've always been, been a, a, a techie, you know, some sometimes in the forefront, sometimes more of a closet techie as I as I am now. I I, I found that that having that technology base, which which is something I I've gonna continue to enjoy fostering over the years, even even after you know, fairly quickly moving to the business side of things is something that, that's helped me a lot in, uh, in business, in, especially being in the high tech space, because I can relate to technologies, I can understand trends, I can relate to customers, uh, partners and so forth that are working with these technologies. And I think that that's a, that's, it's been an asset for me, um, in being able to, to move around in, in various roles. But it, but in particular, this is idea that being from a technical background, being in the tech space, I think are very compatible regardless of what your role is.
1: What kind of jobs did you do going on from there into the business world?
0: So uh, my my first foray was into kind of a sales engineering role at um, at Nortel after the, the, those good development research and Nortel had, had merged. Uh, that pretty quickly led me. Out to uh, Silicon Valley. I was on the, on the East Coast before, but uh, popped out to California right at the tail end of the dot-com boom. Uh, did uh, one of those famously stratospheric startups that blew through fifty million dollars of VC money in about fourteen months and ended up with uh, padlock on the door. Moved on to another one uh, that that uh, was it was a bit of a, a bit more staying power. We ran it for about another seven years uh, after that. A company called archivio we're doing storage management and data management software. That's where I really got connected with uh, some uh, some of the companies that I've kind of stuck around for a lot of my career. Uh, the first OEM deal I did there was with uh, was with EMC. Uh, the next was with NetApp. The third was with Hitachi. Uh, so you know, a, a, a big uh, kind of deep, deep connection uh, with yeah. um, with the storage industry and, and being a company of at the time we were in you know, a 40 to 60 people over that period, got an opportunity to wear a lot of hats, meet a lot of people and um, still, still really, really value a lot of the connections that I made during that time.
1: And you worked in Japan. Some of your tweets are in Japanese.
0: Yes, <laughs> yes I did. I did after, um, after you know, launching the cloud business for, uh, for VMware, Amongst a, a number of great great colleagues, uh, one of the one of the, the strategies we had to expand the business very quickly was to do partnerships, you know, set up partnerships with a lot of global service providers, you know, companies like uh, Deutsche Telekom, Telefonica, BT, Telstra, you, you, you name it, um, NTT. So, and in, in as part of doing that, one of the ones we set up was with uh, SoftBank in Japan, and SoftBank being. Uh, ever aggressive <laughs> as an investor, uh, decided they wanted to set up a joint venture, and as part of that, wanted uh, you know, us to you kind know, of put skin in the game and, and have um, one from the VMware side come and run it. So that was me. Uh, it was a fantastic experience. Still keep up with my SoftBank colleagues uh, very regularly. I was just over there uh, about a month ago. I met with. Uh, Muji san the CEO, and, and some of the team, they're
1: really, really incredible group of people and um, they're very uh, very shrewd uh, businessmen and women. Oh, great. Obviously you did better in Japanese than me. Uh, <laughs> I, I studied it in college because I was uh, studying theater and was interested in Kabuki. I really oh. enjoyed kind of non-realistic forms of theater. And when I told my Japanese instructor I was interested in Kabuki, she was like, Oh, that's like learning Japanese English, so you can learn, you know, study Shakespeare. This is like not just—it's yes. not just, it's not just Jap, uh, Japanese. It's like Japanese from 500 years ago. But you're pretty new at Commvault. Why did you join the Commvault team? Gosh, gotcha, a, a number of reasons.
0: Uh, I, I will be very honest that the first reason that I took a look at the organization was when I saw uh, Sanjay Merchandani take over uh, last February. Sanjay's been a person that I've Known off and on for, for a number of years, worked uh, worked with uh, closely uh, when when I was running the company. And um, in Japan, he was uh, on my board uh, as, as at the time he was running Asia Pacific for VMware. I've crossed paths numerous times over the years. I just have tremendous respect for for Sanjay. And so when I saw him make the move, I thought this is this is clearly uh, an organization I need to take a look at. And obviously, after after he came over. Uh, several other uh, people that I knew very well and had a lot of respect for started, started joining and, and uh, you know, in, in the context of conversations with them and him, it, it just became very clear to me that the opportunity in this organization based on the, where it's positioned, which in a way is not that dissimilar from the way VMware was when I joined, which is that it was a, it was a product company, a very disruptive product company with great technology that hadn't, necessarily had to have a, a strong go-to-market engine I and in mean, particular the kind that you you develop as you become a portfolio company uh, again no no insult to the past go to market it's just there's a there's a significant shift when you have competitors come up when you have uh, yeah. you know, changing market conditions and you make that shift uh, you have to change the way you go to market and for me looking at the company and realizing that that the core base of technology was solid. The customers were, were very loyal and sticky in, in terms of, of both you know, renewal rates and so forth, as well as like net promoter score and other indicators of customer loyalty. But that, that the company had, was in a position where it was making a shift, making a transition, it felt like to me, not only is this a team that I respect a tremendous amount, but this is an opportunity that I feel like we all can get behind and, and really execute uh, quickly because it's it's a roll up sleeves game. It's an opportunity to, to get in, work hard, do things that, that I think all of us have done before and know how to do, but do it in an environment where we, we already have a solid technology of product and customer base uh, to lean back on.
1: And for people who didn't hear my uh, earlier interview with Carmen, please tell them what Commvault does.
0: So Commvault is a data management company. Uh, we came out of the data protection space, in fact, it's about a 20 year old company. Uh, came out of uh, Bell Labs, uh, originally the, the Founders was a, a spin out, um, Microsoft made some of the early investments in, in the company to kind of get it going, early 2000s, it was really disruptive in a space that was, had not been disrupted for, for some time. Uh, at this point, we are moving from kind of the, that core data protection, or have been for several years moving from that core data protection history of the company to a portfolio company, uh, looking across all different aspects. Of, of data management, uh, this being whether it's discovery, compliance, multi-cloud migration, management of data and applications across across platforms. I'll talk a little bit more about that in, in terms of my, my partner strategy and how we're using this to accelerate our business with our partners. But that's you kind know, of a general thought around uh, around what it is we do as a company.
1: And Comvault, we were talking about this before with, with Carmen, uh, has over, f- 500 global partners, and over 90% of revenue is through the channel. VMware, which you were at, has over 50,000 partners, uh, 100 times more than Commvault. Is that important? Do you think that you need to significant, significantly grow your number of partners at Commvault? That's a great question. So, so we're actually at uh, 5,035 partners at oh, the moment.
0: Okay, so, um, I apologize. <laughs> I got that number wrong.
1: Well, it's oh. just a zero. Right. Uh, <laughs> uh, but okay, so uh, five thousand as opposed to fifty thousand.
0: right. but but still, your your question is still uh, the the answer to the question is still still the same, which is <clears throat> for me, this is less about a quantity issue and, and need to have more partners as it is to be relevant with the partners that we have. I do not feel like that we need to be on a a broad recruiting bench uh, as as it were. Um, as much as we should, we are going to continue to evolve our programs, our strategy, our messaging. Again, which I'll, I'll talk about in a moment, to to achieve more relevance with with the current set of partners. Would I like to have more partners sign up? Sure, but I want to have them sign up because <clears throat> because they they want to engage in in this exciting new space that we are uh, we're pioneering. Uh, as opposed to feeling like that I need more for coverage necessarily.
1: Yeah, it's an interesting question because I, and I've had this with many of the people who have been on the podcast and I've had answers both ways. One person, uh, one of the first things she did when she took over the channel program was cut the partner number of partners in half because she wanted to focus on a smaller, more committed, higher quality set of partners who are delivering revenue. I know often uh, there can be a long tail partners who either deliver not very much or, or, or nothing at all but let's talk about your goals and you, you've alluded a few times to your strategy. So what goals do you have now? What do you see in the next Your fiscal year is ending in a, in a few days at the end of March. What do you see, how this year go? What do you see for next year?
0: Yeah. So, so this, this year, uh, this year, obviously you, you've seen the results. And we're a public company. We have the, the pleasure of being the only, <laughs> the only public company in our space. So our, uh, <laughs> Out there for uh, for everyone to see. Uh, obviously, you know, meaningful progress last last two quarters um, towards uh, stability, uh, towards growth, which is clearly what, uh, you know, what why Sanjay joined and myself and, and others, and, and as well as with the partners. Uh, we, um, as you're aware, we launched a new program. This is when you spoke with Carmen last summer. Launched a a, a real reboot of the program, which I think addressed a lot of the. And the top of mind topics around, in particular, on profitability that um, that our partners were looking for G- going forward. What what I see is is, is kind of a three pillar strategy uh, that that is again it's all underpinned by this this concept of relevance. Right? So profitability is important in my mind, but it, it's a component of relevance. So when I think about it, my strategy going forward is in these pillars is, is kind of the three Ps. It's portfolio. It's partner ecosystem and it's profitability. And I'm going to unpack each one of those. So on the uh, portfolio side of things, this is really about how we approach the market. As I mentioned earlier, the company is in transition where we're shifting from being a, a data protection uh, product company to a data management portfolio company. And this involves uh, three parts: use cases, uh, organic growth and in- inorganic growth. What I mean by use cases are, as opposed to talking specifically about data protection as a, as a, as a concept, because there are a lot of companies that, that talk about the concept of data protection, may have messaging around that. We have uh, application integrations with around 200 different significant enterprise platforms SAP HANA, Splunk, ServiceNow. You know, so, significant enterprise applications that have been around the market for a while, as well as, as, well as, as new ones that are taking the market by storm. Where our integration with those creates unique value to, to businesses and can open up a conversation that's application focused as opposed to data protection focused. Organically, it's in it's in evolving our technologies with new new offerings such as our Activate offering, which gives us the ability to go out and and uh, audit and inspect environments for compliance issues, GDPR, PII go and tear open old backups and understand where this data is is living, look in active file systems and understand how things are being utilized uh, and really create an opportunity to really better understand an environment and and as well as our orchestrate product which can allow us to deploy in a multi-cloud environment to take that application compatibility, move running applications from one environment to a cloud, cloud to cloud, cloud back to prem. So moving out of the space of just thinking about data protection, but moving into this now this this organic uh, uh, development of more use cases, more capabilities, and then third, with our acquisition of, of Hedvig and our launch of Metallic in this inorganic space, uh, creating brand new offerings, moving into adjacent spaces with things like our software defined storage offering or our SaaS offering, which augment that those uh, central capabilities. But gives us a lot more opportunities to open up new conversations with customers getting back to that topic of relevance all these portfolio items allow us to do that we then move on to the partner ecosystem uh, area that's where we're looking to create more 1 plus 1 plus 1 equals 5 kind of uh, relationships to pull our partners together we have great relationships with uh, aws uh, microsoft azure google compute uh, even alibaba all of these major cloud platforms, we have such an opportunity to to work together with those cloud platforms and our partners that are already working together with those, be they SIs, be they solution providers, be they distributors. There's so much uh, evolution going on in the market with respect to partners uh, converging business models that that ecosystem creates a huge opportunity for us to, to take the work out of figuring out Which partners uh, are we compatible with? Which ones do we work with? And how do we create those better together stories? The third piece, profitability. This is really for us about not only continuing to evolve our programs to make sure that they are the most profitable programs out there, but also to uh, evolve our rules of engagement, our field engagement, to make sure that that our field and our partners are working together effectively, that deal registration is sacred, that when partners uh, decide to work with Commvault that we are all in with those partners uh, all the way to the end uh, and the third piece of that of this, this profitability angle is our services play so really investing in taking a lot of those, those capabilities i mentioned in the first the the portfolio play especially around things like the, the activate services the environmental audit the assessments the health checks the cloud migration the app migration packaging those up as services offerings which we can then pass over to our partners to allow them to take these up, incorporating them into their own services practices, which we know is both profitable and effective in terms of the way that they engage with their customers. So I know I said a lot there, but I hope that makes sense. That three Ps, the portfolio, partner ecosystem, profitability, that's the summary of my strategy going into next year.
1: Yeah, that sounds terrific. It also sounds very challenging. Uh, You know, lots of changes there in the portfolio area, for example. So let's talk about how you execute on that when you've got partners who have to be keeping up with a rapidly changing uh, portfolio in terms of educating them, sales materials, the training for them, uh, marketing, uh, the technology that you need, uh, on your end to support them, you know all the changes in the program uh, that you have to do to keep them up to date on that and and uh, capable. What goes into all that?
0: Yeah, it's a great question. So each each one of those you know, have obviously have multiple steps in the process, and I am you know, having spent spent about a decade of my my twenty five years in in it and startups. I am I am very much a a fan of uh, of incremental uh, incremental improvements as opposed to trying to to boil the ocean. So a lot of this is going to be a matter of one getting getting the message out. Uh, I think that from a both both in terms of our direct engagement with our partner as well as our messaging to the market, uh, we're going to be really turning the corner in terms of the kind of conversations that that we have, uh, because it, at the moment. And that's, that, that's the, the, the start of this process, right, is, is getting everybody to understand this is, this is a new Commvault. This is a new message to the market. Um, it's the same great technology that you've, uh, you, you've, you've come to, to know and trust from us. But the way that we are packaging it, the way that we are, are going to help you to create relevance with your customers uh, is, uh, is changing. And, and again, that's something that we, we have the, the onus is on us to get that message out. The second piece is really going and stitching together and creating programs, uh, promotions and opportunities for our partners to work together. And that's really about, uh, about, about walking in. For example, one of the things that I've challenged my team with is don't, don't walk into a partner by yourself, walk in with another partner, find opportunities where you can go out and you can create these connections because a lot of this happens both at the corporate level as well as at the field level. So I think what our partners are gonna see more and more is that is that Commvault doesn't engage with them unilaterally, but engages alongside another partner that creates a better story, that creates more relevance and creates an easier sales motion. And if I'm a, if I'm a seller and I know that Commvault and Partner X uh, are already working together, they have joint promotions, they have incentives and so forth around that uh, combined offering, that's gonna make me a lot more uh, interested to learn more about that, that offering and, uh, and, and more confident in, the, in my ability to sell it, to close it, and to not have to, to worry about it and essentially move on to the next one. And then from a program perspective, yes, you're right. I said a lot of things in there and obviously you know, evolving programs is, is a balance. Uh, I do not like to whipsaw partners. Uh, in fact, one of the first, first things I, I was asked when I started in the fall was, what changes are you going to make to the program? And, and I said, none, uh, and not that I didn't ever intend to make any, but it's more a matter of we have to do things in a way that is compatible with how our partners do business. And you know, whipsawing making changes uh, off, you know, too rapidly doesn't, doesn't get us there. It doesn't create uh, you know, create a good working relationship. It doesn't, doesn't establish you know, predictability in the business. So we're going to be you know carefully but deliberately making some changes over the next say year to year and a half that that will continue to to refine the focus around you know, things like driving new solutions, uh, incenting the the uh, the expansion of the conversation with our customers to provide additional incentives around some of the new new capabilities new offerings uh, combined with again focusing more on utility model so that we can have our our partners be able to consume and uh, in, in sell, you know, either, either sell or, or, or consume uh, software, as well as our customers, for that matter, uh, in the way that they want to, be it perpetual, be it utility, be it SaaS. Uh, but all of these things, again, th- these, are, these are all things that we will be rolling out over the next, uh, say, year, year and a half.
1: So uh, frankly, it doesn't sound like an incremental approach. It sounds like you know, you're know you driving some pretty rapid change. I, I know that you've talked about when, when you're making uh, big changes in the, in the program, you want to have partners on board before making or announcing those changes. So I assume that that was uh, true in this case too. How do you go uh, about doing
0: that? Yes, absolutely. So, it, and that's and that's part of why I say that I don't feel like that we have a, a quantity uh, a challenge in terms of the, the number of partners, because for me, it's much more about pulling, pulling our key partners out the tent with us uh, to make sure that they're they're a part of the process as we go through this kind of an evolution, because it's when we go back to that that topic of of relevance, we want to make sure that the partners that we are are relevant with are driving relevance with, uh, that they are a part of part of the evolution, that they are under the tent as they use that that metaphor, that they are giving feedback, that and then we're making sure that we're adapting those things as uh, to to their business models as we go through the process. So it's for me, it's. Uh, it's less about our vision on the timing and more about the way that we kind of get that impedance match nailed. Uh, to use an electrical engineering term. Yeah, I was going <laughs> to say. <laughs> with, going back to your background. Yes, exactly, exactly. Uh, yeah, but with with those partners uh, to you know, so that so we're doing it in the right way. For me, it's it's more about getting it right uh, than it is doing it fast. Obviously, for us as a business, uh, we need to get this this message out in the market. We need to get you know, get some of this um, the the information around around kind of the changing strategy, the use cases, and so forth. And then I think a lot of that starts to drive kind of drive its own cycle and kind of a, a flywheel effect, because as the more people hear about about a, a kind of the excitement around the new, new Commvault, and, and I'm getting a lot of feedback about this from the partners that people are really hearing. The noise they're hearing about the new that they are excited that something's going on here, something's changed. The more that stuff happens, the more a, a lot of the, the, the potential friction around changes starts to, to die down because people want to lean in. And partners, no different than any other any other businesses and business owners, they want to go where the market is. They want to go where the where the excitement is. Uh, you know, I, I always tell tell the team, you know, put yourself in the partner's shoes. If they, they want to sell the hot stuff. <laughs> they want to sell the stuff that customers are asking about. And if we are positioning ourselves and positioning the, the capabilities as the things that are, are top of mind and most relevant for the end-user customers, then our partners are going to see that as well and, and want to want to you know, get on the bus.
1: Yeah. I saw one interview where you said you want Commvault to be sexy. Yes. <laughs> exactly. uh, so what do you mean by that? How, how do you do it? Is that you know kind of what you're saying now, which is have the latest and the greatest and be an exciting technology place to be?
0: Absolutely, and, and part of that part of that is is this excitement that uh, that I think we're we're ginning up in the market, but part of it also is 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 delivering and, and amplifying real results and real value for customers, because that's that's where it, it comes down to you know, being being an exciting place to work, being an exciting place to, to do business with. You know, these things are all, all interconnected, you know, being, being a, a, a you know, sexy company uh, is great for recruiting, right? It's great for partners. It's great for customers. It's, it, there's a whole kind of, um, you know, ecosystem of impact around, around having, having buzz around your organization. And part of that is messaging right? part of that is communicating and, and making sure that we get that message out to the market. But part of it also is is about delivering real value and that's, that's why I go back to, to this, you know, this excitement that I had around seeing uh, the core, the foundation of this organization. As, as uh, Ricardo de Blasio, my, my, our CRO, said uh, in, in a recent conversation, and I'm going to steal this from him, he said, you know, if you were going to create a startup right now in, in the data management space, you wouldn't necessarily invest in, in integrating with 200 plus different applications right off the bat and having... You know very deep native integrations with their data structures and understanding how how they operate and be able to move them around. You'd probably you'd probably do what a lot of companies do, which is you back up VMs uh, or you you take some simpler approach. But with we up. we already did that. <laughs> you know, we have we have a massive portfolio of patents. Uh, we have a, you have a huge you know, kind of base of technology to to lean on and to to use to innovate in in new ways that uh, that can, can create a lot of value very quickly because we have such a portfolio already underneath us. So I think that's that's where it's about this combination of, yes, yes there's a messaging piece, and yes, there's a lot of companies that are you know, making their own noise in the market right now. But I think for us, that Sexy Commvault is a combination of our rich technolo- you know, technological history and background combined with Really relevant use cases and value delivery that we can uh, we can achieve very quickly because of that background with our customers.
1: So, if if you were doing a, a channel program five years ago, say, do you think that your primary focus would be on on the three P's—the portfolio, partner ecosystem, and profitability? You know, are those kind of eternal verites? Or has the channel world changed? Has the software world changed? You know, how has it changed that, that that would be your focus now? And how would it be different from what you might have done a few years ago? Sure, that's a really interesting
0: question. So I, I think to in, in some ways it would be the same. In some ways it, it would be different. And, and I'll focus on, on the differences. I think some of the things that have changed over the last, say, five years or so, Maybe this has gone on for a little bit more than five years, but hearkening back to to the early 2010s uh, when when I was with VMware and we were really starting to, we were trying to figure out how to get our, say our service provider partners to develop cloud businesses and trying to determine how to get solution providers tied in with sort of as a service offerings. There was a lot of friction between the various partner types and and, and a lot of focus on partner types. Uh, meaning, this company is a solution provider. This other company is a service provider. This other company is an SI. Uh, and, and so, what what we were struggling with was was trying to uh, figure out how these various models came together. While at the same time, the IT, the technology industry was moving into this portfolio play. You know, uh, companies were moving out of uh, you know, out of big product companies into portfolio companies, which because they, they wanted growth, like share of wallets, mind share etc. And obviously with that with that brings challenges because you start to step on each other's toes. You know, anytime you move move into an adjacency, probably somebody's already there. And so there were a lot of things going a lot of a lot of factors going in the market at that time that were kind of questioning. I mean people were questioning is, is the solution provider and distribution channel dead? Uh is is that one is, is cloud going to kill it uh, because because of this this idea that, that they're all a bunch of, of box movers. Whereas in reality, what has happened over the last uh, last several years, and it really accelerated, I would say, over the last five years, to use, use your time frame, is these business models have merged. Uh, it, it, it's, it's less of a question of, is a partner a solution provider or service provider, et cetera. Uh, instead, it's more of a matter of, of these business models and of companies uh, you know, looking to consume in different ways. So most of our solution providers, for example, are also MSPs. Most of the SIs, for example, consume in some type of service provider fashion. Not many service providers are trying to run their own cloud to compete with the hyperscalers, but they are involved in MSP businesses. So really this convergence of business models that's happened over the last, in particular this kind of accelerated in the last, last five years, has put us in a position where portfolio is much more digestible i think as you know from a, an in, in customer perspective services are also increasing in relevance and our our ability to equip partners with services uh, as well as to give you know service provider specific offerings to a broad swath of the market is much more um much more meaningful now things like uh, you know, providing simple portals easy hooks into oss BSS uh, type of uh, you know technologies in, in the service provider space to make easy integration these are relevant to so many partners right, as opposed to just a particular, a particular categories we used to use. So what I've said it the same way about five years ago, probably not, just in so much is that I think we've had a lot of rationalization of partners and business models, but I think we're at a really interesting time and a unique time in terms of this ability to uh, to have a, a broad portfolio of offerings that is delivered in various form factors that is relevant to the entire partner community.
1: Well, if you're focused on partners working with partners and you're really uh, pretty heavily in the enterprise space and large mid-market companies, you're talking about complex solutions that you and the partners are delivering. This isn't something that someone can just go online with a credit card and you know, spin up a cloud service.
0: Well, and that's part of the reason why why we launched our metallic SaaS offering uh, last fall because we wanted to have an offering that that did allow that very simple acquisition model, uh, which which was also based on and you know, then the core same core Commvault technology, such that a customer that wanted to start there could start there as a as a beginning point and then expand into other offerings, or that may be sufficient, or it might be an offering for uh, for our larger customers to use in kind of a, a branch office a small office type of, uh, type of environment. The point being that, that we, we are going in a direction that, that, uh, that offers maximum choice and flexibility for our customers. Yeah. I'm, I'm a big fan of, to, you know, to your point, these you know, better together solutions with our, uh, with our technology partners, because I think there's a, there's a ton of opportunity there to, to actually simplify things for our, our customers by, by pre-integrating and pre-building those solutions. But there are also customers that are going to just want the they want the easy button, uh, and that's why that's why we're going to be delivering more and more of our capabilities uh, through SaaS. Again, already based on our core Convolve technology, this is not a not a giant lift, but something that is something that we can continue to expand that that platform base in uh, in delivering our our, our capabilities over SaaS and doing it all with our partners, uh, because not only because we think it's it's the right thing to do, but Incidentally, when we went out and we polled our customers before we launched that Metallic offering, the overwhelming feedback, uh, and these were non, not current combo customers, incidentally, the overwhelming feedback was that they wanted to buy from a partner because they, uh, f- for the, the end customer's uh, perspective, they wanted a partner to be involved in the transaction. They wanted them to be involved in the services and the support if they needed them, but they wanted that, that optionality as opposed to just going and kind of in a do it on your own fashion.
1: Mm-hmm. So you've talked a lot about changes that you're making at Commvault. How do partners have to change? You know, the the technology world, the business world is very different than it was five years ago. Um, what do they have to do differently?
0: Yeah, I, I think one of the things that that partners are going to need to continue to to look at it, I don't think this is, this is necessarily novel, but I, I don't think that it's been solved either. Uh, they're gonna to need to continue to look at is, is how to function in in an as a service world in particular as it relates to things like renewals um, upsell cross- sell uh, low um, you know, low economic value transactions uh, that uh, they grow over time I think it's it's something that obviously the, the the saAS players and the hyperscalers from an infrastructure perspective have started you know started in that space and and gonna uh, you know, kind of have a somewhat of a a head start in terms of of that that business model because they didn't didn't carry any any of the economic baggage needing to to, to create upfront margins uh, from from selling products. And I think that that some some of our partners are are much further down that path than others. Uh, I think that as I said, so many of them already have MSP uh, parts of their business. So many of them have invested in services already and are really leaning on those as the future, you know, future uh, profit centers of their businesses, which I think makes a ton of sense. I think that stitching those together with, with what does the model look like as as we continue to go forward with SaaS offerings, with cloud offerings, with with this kind of frictionless model, like we were just talking about before, where, where a customer might sign up for a $50 a month service. And that has to be incredibly frictionless uh, to be able to right? <laughs> right. To be able to, to back and back that but then follow it up with, with the growth engine. How do you, how do you make it bigger? And I think some, just to, to put a, put a, a pin on that one is some of the, the distributors are really making, making it's very solid and, and meaningful inroads in their marketplaces to support a lot of this, to take a lot of friction out of the system, which I, I think is going to be a key element going forward. But there's also that cross sell, upsell incubation and growth angle to this, that, I think if, uh, there are a few partners that are investing there, but I think it's, it's going to become much more significant over the next few years.
1: So I interviewed Alyssa Fitzpatrick from Microsoft, and their uh, analysis is that their partners make about $9 in services for every dollar of license revenue. And I think at Salesforce, it's something like 4 dollars 5 to every dollar. When I was doing work with Lotus back when there was a Lotus years ago, it was eight to one. Have you done that kind of analysis at Convold?
0: Uh We we have to a certain extent, although it, it's an area that uh, that that we are going to be investing further in uh, today. It's between five and seven uh, x is is our is our drag rate. We okay. Had, as, as a company, we had been looking more at drag with respect to to physical hardware uh, because that that's something that we had um, we've been been uh, a bit a bit more closely tied to over the years and that was an 11 to 13x uh, on, on infrastructure. However, mm-hmm. I, I expect that to kind of flip uh, as, as we go forward, especially with our, our emphasis on services as we can package more and more uh, of our offerings specifically to drive services. That, I think it's one thing to talk about kind of more traditional services, you know, install, configure or rack and stack from the the, the hardware days and more interesting in my mind to talk about about specific service practices that can be powered by Commvault technology like like those assessments, health checks and so forth, because that's where you really start to get those significant multiples, Uh, as well as the more you move into a SaaS or kind of an as a service space, the less those kind of install, configure uh, type services become relevant and more the kind of the the assess and manage uh, become the more more important services.
1: So uh, big opportunities. <laughs> yes. So, what should I have asked you about Mercer? What keeps you up at night?
0: <laughs> That's a good question.
1: I, I, I think the only
0: thing that, that the main thing keeps me up at night uh, these days is is just not is is not moving fast enough. Uh, I think that the um, as I said you know, the the market the market is 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 here. You know, the opportunity is here. You know, discounting some of the the macroeconomic factors we're looking at right now, I I I think that. One of the, the great things about the situation that we're in as a, as a business is, is we're healthy, we're profitable, and you know, we have cash in the bank. Uh, you know, we're not a fly-by-night startup or a company that, that uh, companies have, have been counting on uh, for, uh, for, for decades you know, to, to protect their their most critical asset, which is, which is their data. So for me, this is really about, about how quickly can we execute while being thoughtful, back to the earlier point, or being thoughtful about making sure that that uh, we do things at a speed that is that is digestible and executable with our partner community. So, yeah, that, that's that's it. I think I think speed speed of execution is is clearly um, is, is clearly the, the top of mind thing for me.
1: Okay, great. So, if people want to contact you to talk about Comvault or your your partner program, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you?
0: Uh, they can uh, they can uh, hit me on on Twitter on LinkedIn. I'm I'm going to open on both. It's Mercer Rowe. Uh, very simple on uh, on Twitter on on uh, LinkedIn. Same same thing. Happy to have uh, people connect and Ping uh, we love to love to talk about Commvault, the programs, the strategy uh, with our partners and customers. And uh, happy to yeah, absolutely happy to connect. All right, great.
1: So thank you for joining us today, Mercer. As I always do, I'm going to send you a copy of my bullseye marketing book in appreciation. It was recently named one of the best marketing plan books of all time.
0: Congratulations.
1: Thank you. And thanks to the listeners uh, for listening to the Software Channel Partner Podcast. And please subscribe and listen to future episodes.